Welcome to the Jaguar Podcast, a show where we discuss all things related to Duval County's finest NFL football team, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Duval, baby! What's up, everybody? It's Andrew from the Jaguar Podcast, and today I have special guest Tony Wiggins, host of the Locked on Jaguars podcast. You can follow his content on YouTube and on iTunes, and you can also follow him on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at ShopTalkingWig. Give it up for the great Tony Wiggins. Tony, what's up, man? How's it going? It's going good, man. I appreciate you calling me great. You know, you know, sometimes I'm great, sometimes I'm not. But hopefully I can be great tonight, man. No, man, no worries. And uh, man, you, you, just kudos to you for the great content you put out and the, the great channel you have. Um, so um, I'm just curious. You know, I ask a lot of YouTube content creators uh, this question. How did you become a, a Jaguars fan? Well, I'm a, I always say that I'm a fan of the city. I cover the team, so I try to be uh, as neutral and objective as I can uh, with the coverage. What I am is a fan of the city. I was born here. Uh, I didn't always grow up here, but it's where I call home. It's where I spent m- the majority of my time. Now that I'm getting older, there was a point in my life when I was maybe 38, I probably could say I split time, you know, in, you know, uh, you know, it was half and half, but now that I'm 54, I have spent the majority of my life in Jacksonville, and I've been back here for 25 years now. So um, I'm a real big fan of the city. I hate some of the narratives that are always put out about Jacksonville and, you know, the team is moving here, the team is moving there, and the fans don't support. Most of the people that say that have never experienced fandom in Jacksonville, Florida, because Jacksonville has like 50,000 or more core fans that are as rabid and, and are as in tune to what is going on and no football uh, better than any other fans that I've ever seen or witnessed. So um, it's, it's just something that's not true. And I think the city has gotten a bad rap. And when I say the city, I'm talking about the people and um, the ge- geographically, the area. They've gotten a bad rap because in the past, the, the Jaguars have been an incompetent football team. And I challenged them to take this team and put them anywhere over the last 25 years in whatever metropolis you want to put them in, I challenge anybody to tell that lie that they would have been, that things would have been different because it's not true. I agree. And, you know, I feel like they, they don't get a lot of, the team doesn't get a lot of respect, you know, in the TV market as well. I mean, you just see with some of the rankings, especially with Trevor Lawrence, you know, being ranked, what was it like 96 or something? And then the yeah. O-line getting rated 31st, you know, and I just feel like they, they get a lot of hate, but uh, you know, don't, don't mess with our, our fans on Twitter. That's all I could say. Because yeah. Well, some of that's not some of that. I don't, I don't clarify. I, I, I agree with you in general, but I don't clarify some of that as hate. I try to take everything individually. And if we look individually, Trevor was voted where he was voted because of the players. Right. So you could say the media and the images and the perception and the words that they put out may have affected the players ears because all players haven't played him yet and they haven't seen it yet. Um, That'll change that that'll change. And, you know, none of that stuff scores points, doesn't get touchdowns. So at the end of the day, football is about blocking, tackling, execution 
and of course talent. But um, I think with winning, everything changes, and hopefully they'll have a chance to start winning more games sooner or later. Yeah, I mean, I I think there's definitely a pretty good chance, you know, especially given last year, uh, really a surprise season there. Um, you know, it looked like things were going kind of kind of bad, and then you know after that Denver game, you know, things kind of mm-hmm. turned around, and uh, we started winning games. And what do you know? You know, we're in the uh, we're in the playoffs and in the divisional there and yep. you know hopefully we we get back there and we beat kansas city but um i know you've been down at training camp uh mm-hmm. this week uh how's it been going it's been going well man you know you always have to put the caution lights on and not get too excited about what you see uh but in comparison to the teams in the past and i include the the good teams that i've seen in camp you know i saw those jack del rio maurice jones drew teams that went to the playoffs because I've been covering the team for a while. I saw the 2017 team as well as the 2018 team that we believe was still talented. Comparing this team to those teams physically, they're faster. Um, Not just speed and spots, you know, like all of the wide receivers can run like the wind. Yeah. Uh, all of the running backs can run like the wind, not just a big guy. And a fa- you know, sometimes in the past, the team was built. OK, we need a guy for this. We need a guy for this. We need just like filling these squares in. Right yeah. now, what they it seems like they're doing is just athletic traits. The more big, fast guys we get, the better we'll be. And that's nothing new. People want to have words for it. Analytics and all of this. Tom Landry and Tech Schramm and Gil Brandt did that back in the 60s with the Dallas Cowboys. They just said, if we continue to follow this model of big, fast, strong, and we just coach them up, eventually we'll be better than everybody else. And they were almost better than everybody else. They weren't better than the Steelers. But still, they have their way of doing things, and you're starting to see it uh, in, in the athleticism and the speed. You know you, you know how sometimes teams are structured? They have a big receiver and a fast receiver. Yeah. Nah, you know what they got? They just got fast receivers. That's, you know, we, everybody needs to be able to run when you, it makes it easier to do that when you have a quarterback that has arm talent. So now you just put a bunch of people around him that work hard and run fast and you'll create more windows and opportunities for him to be successful because of his talent. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. And I, I remember that old saying too, right? I mean, big, fat, bigger, faster, stronger. Um, I mean, I even remember hearing it in high school football, uh, mm-hmm. and I couldn't agree with you more. And I mean, with this, this, you know, core of this offensive core, I definitely think they're going to be a weapon next season. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, he's fast. You have what Jamal Agnew, you know, Travis Etienne, you have Calvin Ridley, and then, you know, Kirk and, um, you know, Zay Jones and, and Ingram. I mean, that, 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 that offense is just dangerous. Uh, so I, I'm I'm really excited to see what they have, you know, uh, coming up next season. Um, you know, it, to in spe- you know specifically at camp, how has Calvin Ridley uh, looked? Because he's been you know kind of a big buzz in the off season when the Jags took a chance, you know, going after him. Different than everybody else, and uh, you see what it is. So it's it's the feeling that I had when Trevor Lawrence got here. When Trevor Lawrence got here. Uh, we had all these quarterbacks throughout the years, everybody, including Mark Burnell, who was a very good player, but he doesn't physically have this talent that Trevor has, right? So it's it, it's like you've been watching a bunch of, I ain't going to call them mules and donkeys, but quarter horses, right? <laughs> yeah. You watched a bunch of quarter horses. Like, good horse, you know, runs quarter races, but, and then you see Secretariat. Yeah. And, and you go, 
oh, that looks different. It's almost as if, like, if you played in high school and you played and the tallest guy was 6'6", six, six, and the next tallest guy was 6'5", and 6'4", and then you go to, like, an AAU tournament and you actually see what a future in an NBA first-round pick, you see a guy 6'9", that handled the ball like your point guard, <laughs> and you go, oh, so that's what it looks like, and, and yeah. that's what it looks like. This is a difference, man. He is very, very quick, fast. Zay, they, I, there was a video floating around on social media when Zay ran a little crossing router up and across. He looked good. And then the next in the frame, it looked like a guy was about to run him over. Like, and you're like, okay, well, was that did they speed that up? No, they didn't. That's just what it is. He's a there's a reason he was a first round pick. And there's a reason he had 1,300 yards a couple of years back. And there's a reason why a lot of receivers in the league consider him one of the 10 best uh, wide receivers and one of the best route runners. He's different. And it's going to, it's different. I said he's the most talented player since Jimmy Smith and everybody got on me and they said, you forgot about Justin Blackman. Well, availability is a talent also. Yeah. So, and Justin, Justin really wasn't available enough physically. Yeah. Justin was better. route running wise. It, I, I, I haven't ever, I haven't seen better since Jimmy yeah. and Keenan was very good at that. This dude is just a different kind of wide receiver. Kind of reminds me of, and I say this because I don't want people to go crazy with it. He kind of reminds me of AB, Antonio Brown. Like when you see it, you go, damn, that, you know, that's the difference. Yeah, hopefully a little more grounded, but, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we ain't talking about that. We just yeah. talking strictly about football. We ain't talking about yeah. all the other stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, to go back to the route running, though, I mean, I, he is one of the best, if not one of the, the, the best route runners I've seen, mm -hmm. like you said, since Jimmy. Um has the speed, can get separation, get open. Um, I think you know if he can stay healthy, it, he's he's going to be uh, he's going to be dangerous. I think he's going to make some some teams scared. Uh, in addition to all the west, the rest of the wide receivers that we have, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. I feel like Agnew kind of doesn't. It's kind of left out there. Doesn't get you know a, a ton of love, but I feel like he's going to get. Uh, he he could be the X factor too, right? I mean, uh, definitely dangerous in special teams. And uh, you know, kick returns and punt returns, but um, you may see him in some some different kind of looks as well. I just think he's a weapon, and they're going to get him the ball. Yeah. He's really, really good. And uh, you know, without giving away too much of where people line up and this, that, and the third, they seem to rotate a lot of guys. I think Christian is always out there. Ridley's always out there, but then they'll rotate whether it's going to be Zay. Sometimes Zay is out there um, early. And, and and like really wasn't and they came i really think it depends on the situational football and what the game plan is and who and how they're going to attack is who you're going to see but at, at the end of the day when all of that script and all of that what you thought you wanted to do gets you know thrown away the bottom line is it's going to be calvin ridley and christian kirk those are going to be the main two guys and then everybody else they're going to kind of like mix them in and, and just keep people off balance yeah i mean if I put myself in a defensive coordinator's shoes, I really don't know who to really focus on, right? Because you have Trevor mm -hmm. Lawrence. He can run. He can throw the ball. He can, you know, do the RPO. Then you have, you know, Travis Etienne, who, you know, he's dangerous out in the flats. He can run the ball. Then you have, you know, like you said, uh, you, you, have, um, you have Ridley, you have uh, Kirk, and then you have Ingram. He's a weapon and as tank, well. And Tank Bigsby, you yeah. know. So there's, there's a difference that you see now. You, you see more of what you've seen in in uh, Andy Reid and and what you've seen in Mike Holmgren and like anybody can get you on yeah. any given day. You know, on, you, what you saw in Philly with Doug Peterson. I told people, 
when they won that Super Bowl, they had three running backs with multiple carries in the first quarter. Yeah. And Nick Foles threw the ball like 700 times. So <laughs> there's a mix there. Yeah. And if you to, to go back to what you said about if I'm an opposing defense coordinator, if I'm opposing defense coordinator, the hope that I have is that um, I can beat the offensive line to death. Yeah. That, just attack them because, you know, they're mixing and matching. Guys are suspended. Some guys are coming back hurt. Got new guys, changed the position, got a rookie. The only hope that you have, especially from these good teams, is just to dominate them up front so it doesn't give Trevor time to do that and keep them guessing. Because right now, that's the only Achilles heel that I see probably existing for this team is that offensive line. And I'm not saying they're terrible. I'm not saying they're not good. I'm not saying they're 31st or, or anything like that. But what I am telling you is you got to pick your poison. And if and if I had to guess right now, I think people are going to try to load up and just beat the hell out of the offensive line and not give Trevor time. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think that's always been really a concern of mine. Um, but let's let's since we're talking about that, let's let's talk about, you know, some of the position groups we'll start off with offensive line at camp. Um, you know, you have cam robinson being suspended there for the ped use um so you know you have walker little moving over there and uh to the left side you have uh anton harrison who's going to be on moving over to the right uh, uh as a re result of Jawan taylor uh, you know leaving going over to kansas city um do you see any competition there on on the right side with with anton harrison and, and josh wells potentially um, hard to say right now uh, because you, you don't see him in pads yet. Right. And and that's going to tell you uh, everything you need to know once you see the physicality. But I, I tell you what, if Josh Wells is pushing that kid, it's not a good thing. This, they, I think they really think Anton needs to come here and play right away and start. He played a lot in college. Yeah. And guys have, left, guys have left Oklahoma and some of those big 12 schools with that large body of work. And they've been able to come right into the NFL and play right away. So um, you don't want Josh Wells to be the dude that's pushing this kid. That kid has to play. Doug Peterson said yesterday that, they, you know, obviously when, when they line up, Walker Little's been at left tackle with Shatley at guard. They're also going to play. I don't think Cam's ready to go yet physically, and and you probably won't be till the end of camp if he is. And then he's got that suspension. But – he said they're going to work Walker Little some at guard too, and I, uh, that is that's that has to be in anticipation of Cam Robinson coming back in Week Five and starting and Walker Little moving inside. That it has to be even with Ben Barch coming back, it has to be because Cam Robinson is a twenty-two million dollar cap hit. You can't have a twenty-two million dollar cap hit standing as a healthy non-starter on the sideline because that still bodes poorly for your team building. Wow! So you see Walker Little moving to the inside at left guard. Because of Barch, uh, Barch, you know, being on the what's the, the pup list, right? So when Cam when Cam comes back, if they want to get their best five, I think their best five looks like starting from left going right. I think it's Robinson, Walker, uh, obviously Fortner and Sheriff, and then Anton Harrison at right tackle. To me, that you know, and if somebody else comes in and wins the job, they're gonna probably you know, hey, I'm sorry, you know, you got to put the best people out there. But for me, in terms of what we want to happen and their team building and, and where their investment lines up. And you always hope that those things line up. If they don't, you can't force it. I think that's it. Cam Robinson has never in his life played anything else up left tackle. 
And so people always go, well, move Cam to left guard. I I looked him dead in his face one day and I asked him and he was drinking something, some, some Gatorade or something. And he just turns to me and goes, no. So I, in the question I asked him, I said, have you ever in your life played left tackle? He said, I mean, anything other than left tackle? He goes, no. So, you know, that, that's, that speaks volumes. Mm-hmm. I think he's a better left tackle than Walker Little. And I don't think Cam Robinson is great. I think Walker Little may have a little bit of a higher ceiling, but we haven't seen it. Okay. Okay. And then you don't see Shatley, you know, you don't see them, him, them moving him over to left guard. Cause he did play a little bit of that last year. He's going like to probably play left guard while Cam suspended. Okay. But, but Tyler Shatley is a career backup. Ain't nothing wrong with that. You can play 10 years in the NFL and make $2 million a year and have $20 million. I spoke to him the other day, talked to him a little bit off the record about Clemson and Florida state. Cause he went to Clemson and I like Florida state, but this ain't personal. If Tyler Shatley is your starting left guard, I think he might be the strongest player on the team too. But weight room strength doesn't always translate to being a great football player. If if Tyler Shatley is your left guard, I don't think you can win a Super Bowl. Okay, that's fair. Um, let's let's switch it up and go defense. Uh, you know, the edge position has been kind of an interesting one to me. Mm-hmm. You know, Josh Allen, the last year of his contract. You have Calevon Chason, who had his fifth year option, you know, um, canceled. Uh, so, and then you have Trayvon Walker, who's, you know, had, a, had a, I think, you know, a decent rookie year. Um, do, do you see, uh, and then you, you have Yasir Abdullah. We had him on the show a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, do, do you see him maybe potentially competing with Calevon Chason for that third, uh, that third edge spot? I think George Smith is is probably somebody that they, you know, he came back off an injury last year. He was a fourth-round pick. I think you have to go there first. And uh, you go with 6'7", 250, highly productive in college. Um, started out in the SEC and then transferred out because of some disciplinary stuff, not because of play. And I, I think you go there first. I think Abdullah is, is someone you look at, and you see what it looks like once they get the pads on. Because the way they run their defense, there's a lot more to it than just sacking the quarterback. There's edge setting. And that's why Trayvon was better in their eyes than he was in the eyes of fans because fans just look at stats. And some analysts, they just look at numbers. And then they look at Aiden Hutchinson. and they, But they don't look at the total impact of the game. I, I'll give you a perfect example. Yannick Ngakwe is like top 10 in sacks, pressures, and forced fumbles since he's coming into the league. But you know why? All of, they say he doesn't do all of this other stuff, so that's why they won't pay him. Well, all of the stuff they say he doesn't do, Trayvon does it. So now he just has to get some of those sacks and uh, and, and figure it out a little bit. And um, with Josh Allen, it's perplexing for me because I know that they don't believe Josh is the number one. I think they believe he's a number two, a very good number two. And when Doug Peterson was asked, it was either before the draft or before the combine or something. They asked him, what's the main thing that needs to improve? He didn't even hesitate. He said pass rush. So when people want to put their stats up about pass rush, hurry rates, and all of these things and try to justify the fact that Josh Allen is better than other people like me give him credit for, I just say, listen to your coach. Your coach said the thing that needs to improve is pass rush. Your coach said last year, 44 is playing fine. We need to get the other guy playing better. He was talking about Josh. 
So people want to look at it and go, well, why? Okay, because one guy's in his second year and one guy's in his fifth year. That's why. And you don't see T.J. Watt, Miles Garrett, Nick Bosa. You don't see them dudes playing on their fifth-year option. They get extended way before that. Yeah. And and they didn't do it for him. So whatever everyone thinks about him personally is fine. I think he's a great human being. I think he's a really, really good football player. But we're talking about that guy. You know what I'm talking about. That guy, he had his best season when he had another guy on the other side of him. Yeah. That was now he tip. has to, he yeah. has to be that guy. TJ Watt played last year, and the other guy on the other side got 14 sacks and got 63 million dollars because of it, right? So why does Josh need to be dependent on another guy? He needs to be the guy that other guy he makes other people better. It's not the other way around. Yeah. Because I think he's a number two. He's not a number one. Gotcha. Yeah, I agree. And um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens this season and and kind of where he goes after this or whether he gets an extension with Jacksonville. But everything's going to be dependent on what he does. Exactly. What he does this year, how good the team is, how much money he wants. Is it reasonable? He, I don't think he touches $100 million. He's not that kind of – that's not what he – and, I, and I will, if he does, I'll buy everybody a beer. I just don't <laughs> think unless he goes out and gets 15 sacks this year or 12 sacks and they win a lot of money, he's not going to get that – nobody's going to look at him that way. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. And I think we're coming up on time here, Tony, so I'll uh, – I'll, uh, you know, close out and can you, I guess, tell some of our listeners where they can, uh, what you have essentially coming up and uh, anything new, any new content you want to promote and where they can find you. Yeah. we got some specials coming up uh, here on locked on podcast network. Every uh, we do, we record every day and um, you can find that on YouTube or you can subscribe for free on YouTube. And then wherever you get your audio podcast, we on, we're on iTunes, Spotify, everywhere. Um, Make sure you tap in. Also, I do uh, a national show. Locked on NFL runs every single day also, and I do that on Wednesdays with James Rapine from Cincinnati. So make sure you check that out. But we got the the previews, the AFC South previews, the joint shows that we always do that are so much fun. We're going to do that here pretty soon. But right now, it's all about training camp. It's all about the biggest story. We're really playing the hits every single day. The shows are coming a little bit later because normally um, – I would record in the morning and release it like in the middle of the day. But with training camp going now, I go to camp and then I tell people exactly what I saw that day. So for me to do that, it usually comes after training camp. So they'll come in a little bit hot. They'll come in a little bit late. But I, I don't want to tell you tomorrow what you already heard today or seen today. I want to give it to you fresh and organic. So uh, just tap in every single day. You follow me on Twitter at Shop Talking Wig. And uh, that's with two G's. And then um, that's it, man. We're, we're everywhere. Every platform you want to know and every platform you want to see, you'll find Locked on Jaguar. All right. The great Tony Wiggins. Tony, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. Thank you for filling us in on what is going on uh, during training camp. And we're going to have to do this again sometime, man, because this was a blast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we we always busy, but we always make time. I said closed mouths don't get fed. So I, I appreciate you asking me, and I appreciate you allowing me to come on and talk to you folks. No problem. Let me get that. coming up with the big sack. Quarterbacks beware, we on the prowl. Game day, night, you could hear it in our ground. 
intimidation on to keep their hearts racing, eating other teams live on TV front of the nation. Spectacular defensive scheme. This episode is available on the Jaguar Podcast YouTube channel. So if you stop by, make sure to subscribe and give this video a like. Also, these episodes are available on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and other major podcast distributors as well. So if you don't mind, please leave me a review and some feedback. I'd really appreciate that. If you'd like to connect with me on social media, my Twitter handle is at Jaguar Podcast. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. This is Andrew signing off. Cheers. (laughs) 